Welcome to Weekend in Drama Land, the official podcast of its startitwithakdrama.com. We are dedicated Asian drama lovers that are ready to spread our wings and bring our love for dramas to a whole new media platform. Together we watch a blend of Korean, Chinese, Taiwanese, Japanese, and Thai dramas. On occasion, Filipino dramas as well. As best friends in real life, it's only fitting that we get to share our love for crazy tropes, chocolate abs, killer OSTs, and so much more with all of you. So sit back, relax, close your eyes, and let us guide you through the world of all things Asian dramas. I'm your host, Andrea. And I'm your co-host, Tiff. As a disclaimer, we're native English speakers. While we're expert drama watchers, we are not expert speakers with other languages. We are bound to fail at some pronunciations, so please don't mind our mistakes too much. We will strive to do our best and learn from our errors. In time, we are confident we'll improve. Today's episode is entitled Pretty Nuna and Secretary Kim Episodes 9 and 10. So we're actually going to start off this drama, this podcast talking about a drama that I recently started called Something in the Rain. It's also known as Pretty Nuna Who Buys Me Food. If you ask me, I prefer the title Pretty Nuna Who Buys Me Food. It just has a great ring to it. Now, this just recently finished airing. It's uh, fully available on both Netflix and Drama Fever. And this was directed by An Pan-suk, and it was starring Sun Yijin and Young Hyun. And this is actually the story of an actual Nuna romance, where the female lead's character actually develops feelings for her best friend's younger brother. I'm only about four episodes in out of 16, but it's been really actually good of like heartwarming feels like a really realistic portrayal of a romance kind of all the they're secretly kind of skirting around their feelings and then there's the fact that he's the younger brother to her best friend and there's that issue because she just recently broke up with her boyfriend and her mom's kind of a jerk about it because she wants him to get back together with him even though he cheated on her because he has such good credentials, he comes from a great family, and he has a great job. Which I find is really stupid, but you see that a lot in Korean society, where they really want, the parents really want their children with that. Somebody from a really high esteemed family, and a guy who has a really well-established job. But it turns out, it just wasn't working. He basically breaks up with her over dinner, telling her that she's boring but he says it in this horrible slang and she's like she doesn't even know what the slang word means i didn't know what it meant either but we'll just keep it nice and essentially say that she was extremely boring so the first four episodes the younger brother actually comes back after being broad for three years and it's kind of cutesy playing around dancing around he uh comes across her when she's going to work and he's on a bicycle and he's like riding around her in circles and she's like chasing after him. It just kind of feels very sibling-like, not really any relationship vibes, but it seems like the more that they start hanging out over the next few episodes, the more that there's like this kind of sizzle or charge in the air between them. And of course she's not really admitting that until it's like little spoiler until like the end of episode three they're all out with friends and I think it was mostly his friends and she's kind of getting a little jealous because he's talking about how there's this girl he likes who happens to be Arnuna and she ends up grabbing his hand under the table because they're sitting next to each other and all of a sudden he gets these cute case of the hiccups and can't stop and everybody's like what's wrong with him and he's like so embarrassed but there's so many scenes where they're interacting where it just really feels like really heartworm heartwarming earnest friendship 
that's kind of towing the lines between something more. And I don't know about anyone else, but judging on what I watched so far, I think it has the makings of being a really solid drama. I have no idea how it's actually going to end. But we have a total of 16 episodes. I think there are like a whopping hour and like 20 some odd minutes. So my only complaint is it may be a little long and more of a bigger investment than usual. But I do have to say that I'm just so in love with the the feel of it. It just has this very natural feel. More like you're watching something unfold in real life versus a K-drama. And not that I don't love K-dramas, but I like that this one is injected with such a, a sense of realism that you can actually see it happening in real life. So if you get the chance and you haven't already, I would definitely say that it's worth watching based on the first four episodes that I saw. And it actually shattered cable records that it was actually the highest rated cable drama ever until this point. And the whole cast and crew ended up winning a three-day trip to Japan. So I don't know if that's saying much, but that was very excellent. There's also the soundtrack. I was telling Tiff about it before we actually started recording it, that there's like a mishmash of a lot of American style songs. And there's this one song that I was so addicted to and it had this 80s feel. And I'm like, I've heard this before, but I couldn't place it. And I, the singer, the male singer, it just, it wasn't clicking. And actually earlier today at work, I love to listen to K-drama OSTs. That's how I unwind with the crazy workday. And when I decided to uh, fire up the OST for Pretty Nuna, I realized that song was actually by Bruce Willis. And I don't know how familiar you are with American dramas, but he's been very popular in the 80s and 90s and very action-oriented, very typically man, manly type of roles. And he's also bald. Not that that matters. But so then now every time I'm listening to the song, I can't unsee Bruce Willis singing it. But it's such a good song nonetheless that I would definitely recommend checking it out, even just for the, the soundtrack alone. And it all kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? It all blends together into a really solid drama. It has, there are some more, a lot of serious tones, but there are some humorous, funny tones as well. So I would definitely say that this falls on the more serious side. So if you're looking into a romantic comedy, it kind of feels a little more of a mel melodrama. Sorry about that. We're hearing some kind of weird noises coming from outside. I'm not sure if it's anybody with some leftover fireworks from 4th of July or not. It sounds like a whistle. And <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Earlier we had fire trucks going by, so I yeah. don't know what's going on in the city. It never fails. Anytime we want to record a podcast, there's always noises. There's 4th of July, somebody making sounds. Weird stuff going on outside. I don't know. We're just kind of rolling with it. Mm -hmm. But I'll just end it on a high note. Pretty Nuna, who buys me food. Definitely check me out, check it out. Uh, as I said, I'm only four episodes in, and there's 16 episodes. I don't know how the pacing or the rest of the story goes, but I can definitely tell you up until that point, it is a very excellent, well-done story. And the acting is also um, a notch above normal. There's very solid performances. So definitely check that out if you haven't already. So I guess that's mainly all I have to say about that. I don't want to break into too many spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen Pretty Nuna yet. So I guess we can talk to talk about what most of us are here for. More of our lovely Secretary Kim which will turn that over to Tiff. 
Yes, because I'm addicted to it. Alright, so, episodes 9 and 10. I hope you all enjoyed them as I did. We were given a lot more information about the past events of the kidnapping this time around. I mean, we don't have, like, big pieces, but we do have some really interesting information that was revealed. So, as we all were trying to figure out why um, does Young June always act as if he remembers absolutely nothing? We're always wondering, is he lying? Is he trying to protect someone? What's going on? And as we're watching episode 9, it's really obvious that he does remember. Like, I, don't, I wouldn't say everything, because I don't know what his full encompassing memory is. But he definitely remembers Miso. He remembers he made a promise to marry. So it makes us a bit confused. But I think that as we watch more of this episode, you would find out that he's doing it because he's trying to protect her. And I will get to that point then. Yeah, because it really seems like he definitely knows a, a lot more than he's implied. And as you said, he's kind of using his knowledge and keeping it to himself to correct correct ah, to protect me so because he doesn't want her to be hurt or to see her cry anymore. Mm-hmm. And according to Miso's memory, she definitely heard Lee Seung Yon. And of course she ends with Opa. But we're wondering if that's really the name, why is Young Jun's name different? So we kinda get an idea towards You have to be kidding me. They're doing fireworks now. Anyway. So you're all getting an encore of fireworks for a second week in a row. Welcome to America. Anyway. Um some fun events was when Young June came over to Miso's apartment and all of a sudden her on knees visit. And in classic romantic fashion, where does Miso put the poor boy? But in the closet. <laughs> and it's important to note that this is at night. Sort of later at night where it's not really appropriate to have a man over. Not that so. it ever is, apparently. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so she hides in the closet. He's not liking that one bit. And then he's her- tall, and he's being shoved into this tiny little yeah. little closet. And I don't know how they made that work. He pretty much had to fold him up like an accordion <laughs> or something. And then, of course, when the Onis come over, the I guess like she must be the older sister, the one that has the glasses. She is bashing poor young June so badly. Well, when they end up bringing up the sexual dysfunction, the other sister and poor young June in the closet looking so horrified, and you just can't help but be dying on the inside because it's so fun. Yeah, he looks like his soul is withering as this is going on. <laughs> Listening to all these people criticize him. But it's not in like a mean-spirited way. It, it kind of feels more humorous. Of course, he takes it. As they're being mean to him. I don't know, though. I pretty much think that the glasses Uni really did mean it pretty bad. The other sister, I think, was more of, like, just laughing about it. So then once they leave, then, of course, Young June and Miso kiss while he's still in the closet. I mean, why couldn't you wait till he got out of the closet? Yeah, he just literally pulls her into the closet with him right on his lap and just lays a big kiss on her. It's cute, but still. Wouldn't he want to get out of the closet? Okay, so uh, they went, I forget like at what point of the episode, it's where they're walking along the riverside, and it's cold out. And of course we know that Young June is very susceptible to the cold. So he wasn't going to give up his coat jacket to Miso, so he got, I don't know where he got it, I guess maybe he went to a clothing stand or something, he got her a burgundy colored sweater. And she mentions to him that he looks good in burgundy. I was thinking that it was in his car. Maybe. I don't know. He just kind I of... I thought he may, went back in that direction, but maybe he did buy it. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. He just was there, and then one moment he wasn't, and then he came back. Yep. The magic K-dramas. There's, is... a, there's a sweater when you need one. Mm-hmm. Very handy. So, she, except for she mentions this, and he mentioned that he was told by someone else that he looked good in burgundy. And it was a designer by name of 
Zhang Zhongdo or Du. And he apparently made clothes personally for the child that is from Miso's childhood. And the cardigan that he was wearing, of course, was burgundy and then around the collar was gray and white. And um let's see here. Forgive me, I'm flipping papers. Yeah, he had mentioned that of course the design was in front of his mother, and that kinda had me so kinda like, huh he's like, he keeps saying that it's not him, but <laughs> more <laughs> evidence is proving otherwise. Exactly. And anyway, so he's really tired and they go back to the car. She said that you can go take a nap. And she has an epiphany. She's like, oh, wait a minute. That's not the name that actually she heard. As a child, apparently there's certain, I guess, sounds that can yeah, be similar. syllables. And, and you know, she said it's common for children to miss, I guess, understand or something. Or miss, what she say? Misremember yeah, or something she, like that. Or misheard or yeah. something along those lines. Basically, and actually the name she was hearing was Sion Hyun Opa. That's what she called him when she was a child. And she calls Young Jun this. And he responds to her. While he's taking catnap. So subconscious, subconsciously, he's answering to that name. And he just writes it off. Oh, it was just your voice that woke me up. It was mm-hmm. nothing else. Yeah, it's like I'm just responding because I heard you speaking. Yeah. He's always just brushing things under the rug and pretending like it was nothing. But we all know it was something. Yeah, he always has an answer to everything. Mm-hmm. So, that's basically episode nine. So, we begin our little research and discovery. But then, when we get into episode ten, then we get some more really fun details. Um, I'm just debating if I'd like to talk more about my little mystery working, or do we want to talk about that hilarious... Uh, home war- warming party that on the rooftop. I think we'll go with that first, then we'll get back to detective work because that was yeah, really we'll save that. Yeah, it was hilarious. Like I felt so bad for Gia because she didn't want to have the harm- housewarming party to begin with, because knowing that uh, Guinam is on the roof and she doesn't want to have any more problem with him as it is. Yeah, and she's like. That's a bad idea, because if they they see him there and they put two and two together, oh, now that was my phone. I have mine on silent. I'm innocent this time. But yeah, um, did the exchange with the tomato happen before the... Yeah, that was before. Okay, but yeah, so I thought that was really cute, though, that she's trying to make peace with him, especially after he stole her fan. <laughs> yeah, that was that was hilarious, because she when she was fully moving in... And she couldn't carry everything inside, and the fan was left outside. Well, we all know how frugal Gogunam is. So he sees this perfectly good fan, and he's like, why would someone throw this out? He's like, ooh, I'm going to take this. And it's a pink fan, so it's very feminine and girly. But who cares, because frugal Gogunam, if he can get something that works perfectly well for free, well, darn, he's going to take it. So he takes it up to the rooftop. And he's sitting at a table, and he's got the air flowing. And then, oh, Gia's on the hunt, because she went back downstairs, and her fan's gone. She's asking the nearby neighbor if she's seen a fan, and she didn't. So the wheels start turning. Hmm. But then, uh, I think it's like the landlady, I think she talks to her, and then she's like, oh, yeah, I saw it. Gwoginam took it. Mm -hmm. So she has to go march up to the roof and go demand her fan back (laughs) but surprisingly he's not too bad about and he actually turns it over without too much fanfare which is surprising because i could see him fighting for it saying it was fair game she left it but no he actually gives it back to her pretty easily Mm -hmm. a little shocking coming from him yes and then um he brings down little tomatoes. I don't know if they're cherry tomatoes or plum tomatoes. I know they're little tomatoes that he grew himself as a peace offering. And I guess she was so humbled by his niceness that she went and gave him half of her Chinese food that she got for takeaway. Because mm-hmm. she remembers their earlier discussion before she moved in. That he's saying that half of her food is his because she's never going to be able to eat it all and throwing the rest away would be wasteful. 
Yeah, and then of course this very ridiculous man starts complaining about the takeaway, saying, "Oh, next time you order, get this and this and this because I like this." The guy can't just say thank you, and that's it. No, you have to complain about what she orders. And then Gia's reaction. It's it's fun. It's actually becoming really fun watching their dynamic where he's being, you know, kind of stupid and picky and being his weird, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. There's really work to explain <laughs> him. He's a really colorful character. Yeah. It's hard to pin him down with with one word. Yeah, like, he can be a nice guy, and then sometimes he can be a complete prat. So, yeah. But that was pretty funny. And then, uh, at the office, I guess, either she told him that she fully moved in, or they heard, or whatever it is, and then the people at the office said, oh, yeah, we're gonna have a housewarming party. And she's like, no, 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 it's okay. But she gets overruled. Yep. They're not letting it go. Mm-hmm. Plus, they're all her seniors, so... They're going to get it the way that they want it. And they win and guess where there's a heart, uh, housewarming party. On the roof because it was apparently a nice day to drink outside. And that's where hilarity ensues. Yeah, because Gia sends everyone to her apartment. What was it? To get everything to bring up to the rooftop. And she quick scrambles up to the rooftop and is like telling Goguinam, Sorry, but everyone's coming now. You need to hide or get out of here. And he's trying to look for places to run, and it's all open space or garden. There's really nowhere to go. So what does he do under that? It's like a bench looking yeah, thing. Yeah, that big bench table. Yeah, that big long bench table. So what does he do? But he flings himself underneath it. <laughs> and just literally seconds later, everyone starts meandering upstairs to the rooftop. With Goguinam underneath the table. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, they're eating, and he's hungry, and his stomach's rumbling, and he's afraid that he's going to be found out. And then, um, I think it was Sayra dropped her purse, and quickly Gia had to go pick it up before anyone looked under the table. And then I guess they got too sunny where it was located. Yeah. So he said, oh, they're all like, well, let's move the table away from the sun. Gia's like, no, 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 we can't do that. And everyone starts to move the table, and Gokuinam is under it. And he stays completely <laughs> stationary. He doesn't even try to crawl underneath along with it. And then, in, I guess, his infinite wisdom, he decides to pretend that, oh, this is a surprise that he had for everyone. So he jumps up, he's like, surprise! Yeah, and what's funny is when they move the table away, where he's on the back, and he's got his arm propped up on his head and he's just casually all confident like hey i was invited to the housewarming party too yeah me and gia we planned for me to surprise all of you (laughs) at the right moment and the right things happen at the right time i couldn't stop laughing at that same here i was just laughing hilarious like it was was too funny just way too funny the fact that this man can find any situation somehow make it to his benefit i don't know how he does it (sighs) <sighs> so that was really, really funny. And then he got to eat because he was so hungry. Mm-hmm. And then they went to, I guess, some type of like bar yeah, or... Yeah, for drinks. Yeah. And then we'll get to what happened afterwards in one second. So while this is all going on, they ran out of beer. So Sarah goes to, I guess, the local mart or something. And there's these, I don't know what they were, like sausages or something that they're on uh, sampled. Well, normal person would take, like, one, for example. She takes three. And the lady there's telling me, you can't take three. And she's starting to make Sarah look really bad. Mm-hmm. Saying and, you're not even going to buy anything. Mm-hmm. And who comes to the rescue? Secretary Yang. And he says that we're going to get three. And he grabs three packs and takes her with him. Oh, man, like, I squealed so hard. Because I'm like, oh, yes, to the rescue. Again! Oh, what a gentleman. So then after the drinking thing, um, I don't think Secretary Yang was actually at the home warming party. I don't remember. No, he just ran into her at the mart. Yeah, and then did he come with her when they had gotten the beer? Yeah, I think yes. he still, And then he came along to the the bar or the, the entertainment place. And anyway, so after everyone's like leaving, Sayra is completely plastered. She's 
talking to herself. She's walking really unsteady. And then she starts talking to Secretary Yang about how she likes him. And then she begins to trip because she loses her balance in those clunky shoes of hers. And he catches her. And it's just so cute. I ship them so hard. <laughs> it's just so funny because the whole time Sarah's so drunk. So she's really unaware of really what she's saying. And that he's right behind her. And the whole time he's like smiling. Like it's the best thing he's ever heard. Yeah, it's so adorable. And, like, you would think that he wouldn't be amused by it, but he seems to find her idiosyncrasies to be very entertaining. He's a complete gentleman. Uh, I adore him. So that's the really funny parts of episode 10 that I can remember. So, I think those were the best. Yeah, that Definitely was, like... the standout moments. Yeah, that was, like, the highlight of the comedy part of it. I mean, obviously, I'm, like, glossing over other stuff. Like, it was episode 9, there was the date, and can't forget uh young june doing his own photocopying getting his own tea and getting his own snacks which had people having a heart attack because he usually doesn't do anything for himself mm-hmm. and he's like now that they're dating he wants to do things for his girlfriend unfortunately he forgets that his girlfriend is his secretary and he's doing her actual job that she's being paid to do mm-hmm. Which, as comical as it is, seeing everyone's reaction to him preparing copies, getting his own drinks and snacks, the problem is it makes me so really uncomfortable because, you know, she's unable to do her job and they need to keep those boundaries Mm -hmm. up. Yeah, and right now he's not really keeping with the boundaries. He's crossing the line a lot and that's where, like... It's going to get, like, sooner or later, like, I'm not sure it's going to be, you know, episode 11 or 12, but sooner or later, people are going to, like, put two to two together. Because it's getting more and more obvious as time's going on. Yeah. And what to cover up where it was really close to Miso, what what was the name of the day that he created? Oh, it is a Communication Day. Oh, yes, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. And he says that, you know, it's the first ever company communication day and he asked a few people things no it's like he was staring yes, at them he's like really... i'm gonna stare at all of and you and he like communicated through staring it's like really yeah, weird and no words it's like yeah. so awkward especially when he gets starting with like the male the male characters and he's like he can barely make eye contact yeah it's creepy with any of them and luckily misu chimes in and quickly stops that situation before it gets any more comical or awkward for everyone. Mm-hmm. I think they stopped right before Sarah. So Yeah, because she was looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I'm forgetting before we get back to our little mystery. I'm trying to think. I think that's the basics of it all? I think so. All yeah, right. I think that was the most that stood out to me mm-hmm. in episode 9. And in parts of 10, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, for episode 10, let's see here. Young Jun says to himself, I guess he's at home, yeah, that um, Miso doesn't need to know, like, what happened back then. He never wants to make her cry again. Um, I believe that it was a flashback where she's crying a lot and, like, like when they were taken. Yeah, when and, they were children. And, like, you know, she was just so upset and he kept, you know, trying to keep her calm and was comforting her. So you can tell even like from that early age that he cares a lot about her. And then Miso decides that she's going to go tackle this problem head on with the name change. So she goes to the mother of Young June and say, saying, I, I can never see the brother's name right. Morpheus! I'm done. Anyway. <laughs> and she, she asks point blank, was Young June's name ever changed? And the mother's denying. I think, no, 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 no. But she looks totally uncomfortable. Exactly. Like she's sweating it out and- really trying to avoid the whole topic like she's saying no but her body language is showing the exact opposite yeah basically like you can tell she's hiding something big and that she's just trying to play it off but she's doing it very poorly and Sungyeon tells me so because he runs in her while she's at the house that the diary didn't bring back any memories or details and Miso thinks herself that all the details that he does give her or like have it's as if they were told to him by someone else that this is all secondhand knowledge. Yeah. Which would make sense to us that it would have to come from Young June. Yeah, especially because he 
read her whole diary and nothing jogged his memory. Yeah. He absolutely nothing at all. Now, of course, he could have realistically, honestly, forgot it all and it's not going to jog his memory and make him remember, but for all of us, the viewers, we definitely know that that's just not it. Mm-hmm. And, like, before she leaves, she sees two photographs, one of each boy. And the the boy in the right photograph is the child that she knew as Opa. And she asks Songyun, which of these two boys was you? And he says, it's the child on the left. So, like, we're... It's pretty much blatantly obvious that... Yeah. It had to have been Young Jun that was that boy that was with her. And that there is some conspiracy with this family that they're saying that it was the other child. And we have to remember that they said it was the elder child that was taken. So then we have to wonder why are they saying that the younger son is the elder son when it's not? This is something that we have to continually mm-hmm. remember. And especially the fact um, Young Jun looks older. Then Sung Yun. Mm-hmm. So the wheels start to turn further and furthermore that the story's not adding up the way that everyone's saying. Yeah, someone's lying. Or someone's, as in more than one. And uh, Sung Yun gives back the diary to Miso also. So she now has it back in her possession. Let's see here. Okay, so every year for like a weekend... Miso and her unis go to a vacation at a, like a resort area, I guess. Well, not a resort, but like it's a, a like a seaside yeah, area seaside at Jebu Do, I believe is what it is. And before the the girls had gone up there, uh, Young Jun was talking to his buddy at the company, whose name I just forgot again. Yusik. Thank you, Yusik. And he's talking about trying to impress Miso sisters. He wants to impress the family. He wants them to see that he's this great guy and that they should be happy and blessed that he is dating Miso. So he gets the cockamamie idea that, oh, I'm going to go surprise her on this vacation. Well, probably wasn't the smartest thing to do in the beginning, but... Mm. Yeah, because older sister's going to put him through the ringer. And she does. She's not holding back. No, she's very unhappy. That he went and disturbed their vacation. And she makes it very clear to him. She makes it very flat out that she doesn't like that he's using money to get them rooms at a resort. And that he's getting expensive restaurant reservations. You know, she keeps telling him, we come from different worlds. You're table. We're common folk. Yeah, that they're not suited to be together. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, that stings him, being that, you know, he has this amazing aura and he's perfect. And how dare they say that this perfect man is not right for me so. <laughs> so, they, the, the girls have a uh, reservation at an all-you-can-eat crab restaurant. And he comes along. And poor old young June. The, I guess she's the older sister, the one with the glasses. She tells him how, you know, for poor people, they always want to make sure that their money's worth. They make sure he eats his money's worth. So he got his idea that he's going to eat until he blows, pretty much. Which he almost does, for Mm -hmm. the record. Yes. Like, he just keeps eating them and eating them and eating them. And he had, like, so many, like, courses of it that even, like, the proprietress is, like, eating as if your life's depending on it. (laughs) And I guess in his mind, his life is depending on whether or not he can eat all these poor little crabs. Thankfully, before it gets too bad, Miso interjects and says, that's enough. (laughs) She says to him, you've eaten your money's full. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Time to stop. Yes. Before you get indigestion. Which he gets. He looks pretty green around the gills when they get out of the restaurant. He looks pretty bad. And um, then the sisters go digging for clams. Because they want to have clams in their pancakes and their... some type of soup they're having. I can't recall offhand what it is. But they want to have fresh clams. And of course, he disappears. So they're like, oh, he must have given up. No, he comes back all dressed up all fancy. I say fancy, not really fancy. But he has like those uh, waiters on. And he's got a, <laughs> a, a visor. visor. And he's got this big rake. 
I mean, he is ready. Yeah, he's he's all gung ho about digging up these clams. Yeah, he has no idea what he's doing, but he's going to do it. So, um, of course, the older Uni giving him grief about this too. So Miso decides that she's going to have her and Young June versus her Unis see who can get the most clams in the bucket. Well, there's a lot of hilarity with that. Young June tries different type of rakes. He's digging with his hands. He's using this, like, it looks like a big, long rake that he has, like, tied string around himself. And he's, like, running around with this big thing. Yeah, he's running all over the beach looking for clams. Yeah. Again, as his life depends on it, he mm-hmm. needs to fill this bucket with clams. He needs these clams. And they win. Miso and Young June do get the most clams. Yeah, their bucket is full. Whereas the sisters, theirs is only like half Yeah, full. about half full. Yeah. And the sisters are quite shocked that he's putting so much effort in. The younger Oni, she has like moon eyes just thinking about him. Because she thinks that he's so romantic, that he's doing so much for me. So, and the other sister's still perturbed. She doesn't want him there. Mm-hmm. But at this point, Young June's really feeling the indigestion from all of those crab that he ate. And then she decides that she's going to be a little nice and she pricks his finger. Because apparently, pricking your finger helps with indigestion. I don't know the validity of that yeah, remedy. That's I don't. actually. You'll see that quite a few times in K dramas. You probably haven't seen them in that many, but yeah, that's like. That's a, the first time I've seen someone getting their like finger pricked. Like a wives' pricked. tale, sort of. Oh, okay. Some type of, yeah. Well, it's different. Yeah, they definitely do it mm-hmm. quite often in certain dramas, which you probably haven't seen yet. But Most likely. But then I guess the older sister decided to be a little nice. She's like, oh, next time you indigestion, I'll prick your finger again. So I guess yes. her way of trying to be nice about it. Kind of in an accepting way. Like, trying okay, to accept them. You're not so bad. Look at all you've done today for me, so. Yes. And then we get the really, like, what's the word for it? I've lost my train of thought. But nonetheless, we... We really have emotional turning points. Yes. We learn the purpose of this yearly vacation. When the girls were very young, their mother and father took them along for a music festival. The father was going to perform. And before they went to the festival, or they tried to get to the festival, the girls saw the ocean. And... The father and mother decide that they'll take the little girls to the ocean quick before they go. So they have a little fun because the father's been so busy with his own things that he hasn't spent a lot of time with his family. So they have a really nice family time. And then the father loses the car key because they borrowed the car from a neighbor. So they end up having to get, I guess, a car service. But in the meanwhile, the girls are playing and it was the mother's birthday. Mm Mm-hmm. And he said that, you know, every year that they'll come on the mother's birthday to the ocean. We find out, sadly, that shortly after that, the mother became ill. And I think that they never actually got a chance to celebrate her birthday again. If I remember correctly, like, it was a year later. And then, um... Yeah, and then she passed. She passed away. It doesn't say what she had, but it sounded like some type of, like, cancer or... Yeah, something that was very debil- debilitating because it Cause she was in a lot of pain. Fast, yeah. yeah, and it the, the doctors couldn't do anything, so it's probably something that was incurable and just not treatable. And what I thought was a great cameo by the mother and father that was actually Lee Min Ki and Jung So Min, who were just in Because This Is My First Life, which was a drama I loved, so it was kind of great to see them reunite in a role where they are romantically involved. So I definitely love that because I had no idea it was coming. So that was really sweet to see them together. That's another drama you need to check out, Tiff. There's lots of them I need to see. Because that involves cohabitation. and <laughs> Yeah, now getting back to me playing Detective Tiff, we have Young Jun and Sing Yun's mother telling their father that it is time to tell the children. Of course, we're like, what are they going to tell them? Hmm. Wow. The mother takes Sung Young aside and tells him what really happened during the kidnapping time. And that he was not the one who was taken. Yeah. 
and that these were not really his memories, even though he still wholeheartedly believes they are his. I have a theory about that then, momentarily. So, there's some type of work party. Like, I remember them talking about, like, a data company or something. So, Miso and Sung, and uh, Youngjun. Youngjun are there. Well, Sung Yun crashes his party, and he sits next to Miso, and he's very upset. And he seems like he's had this big emotional shock. And he tells Miso that Apparently his memories are wrong. But he's insistent that they're not. Exactly. And he asked me, so does she believe that his memories are wrong? And before she can really give him a proper answer, a magician appears on stage for the night's entertainment. And I forget what his name is, but he actually was in an episode of Busted. And I was laughing hysterically because he was really funny in his role on that show. I guess he actually is a real magician. And they decided to put him on there by laugh because it was really funny. I'm like, oh, there he is again. So anyway, the magician's assistant is coming down on a swing from like the ceiling. When Miso sees the red high heels that this magician's assistant is wearing, she starts having flashbacks of the woman that took her and young June. And the more she looks at the woman the more that she starts seeing the abductor lady. And just as she says that she now remembers what actually happened, she faints and collapses to the ground. And Young Jun runs over, pushes his brother aside. He's like cradling her. And, and then, pst, end of episode. And of course it just had to end at that pivotal moment where all these horrible memories come back in a rush to mm-hmm. Miso, where she's remembering this woman with the red high heels hanging herself, and Young June had disguised it as a big spider, mm-hmm. which is why she's always been petrified of spiders to this point. But we find out it's not actually a big spider. It was this woman hanging herself that that horrible memory came back, which he was actually trying to protect her from remembering. Mm-hmm. So, which poses the question, just how much of this childhood event does Young June actually remember? Yeah. That but, is my burning question. Like, it seems like he remembers a whole lot. Now, since we're on the topic of this magician thing, I'm thinking that maybe Young Young was hypnotized. This was something that just came to me earlier today. But that would make sense why he believed these memories that obviously are not his are actually his. So it would make sense because I remember on Busted, funny enough, I believe it was the same episode with this magician guy where being hypnotized into believing things that aren't real. And I'm thinking that's what happened is that they hypnotized Xiang Yun to believe that he was the child that was taken to protect young June. However, the question is, why does Young Jun have to be protected from this? And also, I think he faked him his amnesia. Like, I don't know. But then again, you see how Miso fainted. And supposedly he fainted, then went completely, you know, amnesia. So I'm wondering, what's really going on? Like, yeah, because even as a child, he was so brilliant. And we were talking about this before we actually started recording this podcast we were discussing the possibility of him knowing a lot more and staging the fainting and the whole amnesia scenario where he doesn't remember anything because it seemed like even before he ran into Miso. It seems like he was seeking her out or was keeping a close eye on her over all these years. Which I doubt he just suddenly one day remembered, oh, Miso from my childhood. Because he specifically sought her out for the secretary position in his company. Yeah, and like the child, of course, she had the darker hair. Her hair is not dark anymore. So he would have to know that she had colored her hair and she had changed in her appearance. She's no longer that little girl she's a woman now so um we have to really think how long has this so-called game been going on because 
this is not something he just came up with one day. This is a series of plans, series of steps in order to get things to go in the direction he wanted to. Um, Gakes. Yeah, well, on an awkward, slightly different note, we finally got a new computer. So yes, I just bought a new laptop, so we're actually able to use the Yeti. So please don't mind the noise if I can't cut it out because I'm actually low battery, so I have to quick fish it out so we can keep. Here, I'll mute the mic until you get it plugged in again. Okay, we're back. Okay. Now, have I forgotten anything from the episodes? Anything's of importance I'm forgetting. I think nothing comes to mind. Yeah, I, think I think those were the really touched the most important parts of the episode. Mm-hmm. I did see the preview at the very end of the episode for um, episode eleven. She's in the hospital, and I think she's cross at Young June about something. So we'll just see what's going on. Uh, tomorrow is, of course, episode eleven, and then Thursday is episode twelve. I always watch them usually the two together on a Friday. I had just watched them this past Sunday because I was lazy this weekend. Yeah, sometimes I can't resist and I'll watch them as soon as they're subbed on Vicky. Sometimes I've got to get my fix as soon as I can. I try to wait so that I have the two together and that way I can just power watch them. <laughs> okay, right, so... so do we have anything else to add regarding the mystery or any of our thoughts or theories of where things are going? <sighs> I think I touched on the basic thing that I had come up with. Obviously, the mother hasn't talked to Young June yet, although we know that he knows. And some of the reason Miso's upset in the preview. But then again, we have to wonder also, with her getting her memories fully triggered back, we don't know how she's really going to react to the full truth being revealed. Yeah. You know what? She could be actually maybe cross with him because he withheld the information because That's as you true. know miso doesn't like being left out or things being kept from her and of course even though it was meant as a very protective nice gesture she's going to be upset because they're in a relationship now he clearly knew this information and he's keeping it from her mm-hmm. so that could definitely be a factor into some of her unhappiness with young june in the next episode very true very true that or she could be a bit upset at him because of the way he was like cradling her when she fainted. Was she revealing their relationship to all those around them when they're trying to keep the thing very under wraps? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they would play it close to the vest, and he's making it more and more obvious that they're in a relationship and that they're going to be outed to everyone. I mean, it seemed like the mother would be totally cool with them being together, but that would cause a lot of problems at the workplace. So said for like my big theory was of course hypnosis. That would make sense for why Sungyeon has these strong memories because um, a hypnotist could have told him the facts that he needs to know and therefore they became his new memories. Mm-hmm. I've heard of cases of this actually happening and say for in Busted they actually were trying to do that too. It was really funny. And the fact that Sungyeon was very young and where their brain's not fully grown and fully developed so more susceptible to this hypnotism mm-hmm. so we're like if it, de- if it went that way i could definitely see that being a plausible possibility yeah because i don't feel like he's having these memories out of spite or just doing it to get attention i feel like he really truly believes it, believes it. Mm-hmm. and he's upset that everyone else is telling him differently so i don't know other than your suggestion I don't know what else could possibly be imprinted into his brain like that. Exactly. That's the most logical explanation I can come up with. So I think that we're going to call it here. But we can't forget our quick scene of the week. Absolutely. We always recap that. Mm-hmm. I'll say scene of the week was definitely when young June went to visit, visit Miso and her sisters. And the whole event with him eating beyond his means with the crab and then the hunting for the clams and just proving to Miso's older sisters that, you know, he is good for her and 
they finally kind of see this different side of young June. So I actually really like it. Seems like they're finally accepting them. So as the story may be taking a more serious turn now that more truths are revealed, I'm just kind of reveling in the fact that young June has the sister's stamp of approval. So that whole scene at the, at the, at the ocean there, that was definitely my scene of the week. What about you, Tiff? Oh, it feels really hard because that's indeed like one of the most prolific scenes in there. I also really loved where they had the flashback with the parents and the girls at the beach. It was really heartwarming, especially when you find out how important that day is to the girls, being that it was their mother's birthday and it was the last birthday, I think, that they actually got to celebrate with their mother. Yeah, I think and that was a nice touch. That was. Like, that was so important. I mean, I obviously really love the uh, housewarming party whole fiasco and another like a like really favorite scene was where secretary yang is taking care of drunk sarah that was just so adorable like their whole interactions in that episode at the market and then there so it's hard to pick one so there there's a few so yeah without a further ado if you made it this far we must have done something right we hope thank you for watching and supporting our podcast which is hosted by castos if anyone has any suggestions for fu- further, wow, today can't talk for future segments or recommendations for other shows to watch, please feel free to leave us a comment on the blog at startwithakdrama.com. If you have the time, please also take a moment to rate this podcast and leave us comments. We are available through Castos, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Also, Andrea has a Facebook page. That she just put up recently for the blog. Yep, it starts called it started with a K drama. If you search on it on Facebook, it will pop right up, and you will instantly receive notifications anytime I post. Which is also on my Twitter, the official Twitter account for startwithkdrama.com, which is twitter.com/slash/kimchi-dreams. Until next time, and you. And yeah.